here to come to speak. Uh, indeed, I have some friends here, <coughs> but um, in Christ, we all brothers and sisters. We meet one time, it doesn't matter. Through the Spirit, we are <coughs> connected in one body, and we rejoice in that. So, <coughs> I want to uh, thank again all of you in this church for allowing me to share what God has laid on my heart. Uh, especially with missions. It seemed to be a mission-focused service, so uh, I thank the Lord for that. Uh, My apologies, I am Dutch, so my accent (laughs) is still a little bit strong, so I try to speak some slower, so maybe you can uh, understand better. So, anyway... I'm happy to see uh, our Filipina sisters. Uh, I'm leading a Filipina church in my house at the moment. My wife for the Filipinas is from Tarlac. So maybe some of you are from there, I don't know. But, uh, and she could not come because she's taking care of our group at the moment as well. But the Lord has blessed that group for a while. Uh, Actually, since I am here, I am involved with that. But uh, we praise the Lord for that. It's a wonderful ministry. Just want to look and uh, share some thoughts about um, Luke 10. Okay, for me that is a little bit... uh, Let me see, how do I... Okay. I never use this high tech to preach. I just have my Bible and I preach. That's the only thing. So sorry for that. I have to get used to it a little bit. We were talking a lot about, or we were singing, and then the scripture reading, it is about really mission-oriented. But today, I think we have to refocus sometimes on what is mission and how do we work out the mission call that the Lord Jesus has given to each one of us. Of course, uh, today, comparing with the time of Jesus, the church has grown. Uh, There's a lot much more to consider if the Lord's going to call you into missions, yet the underlying foundation hasn't changed. And I wanted to share just some thoughts about it. If you just go through the whole chapter of Luke 10, you get a simple outline about the seven parts of the Lord Jesus Christ to be involved in missions. First of all, he's the organizer of missions, and he's also the one who calls the workers. He is also the judge of uh, the hearts, and we're going to look at that. He is the center of ministry. He is the center of missions. And that's a very important thing I think we have to think about when the Lord calls us in this. He is the revealer of the Father's wisdom. It's all connected. It's wonderful if we read these passages, what we don't have all the time for now. Jesus Christ is the challenger of religious people. It's not good to be religious. We need to be born again. We need to have a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
That's not religious. Oh, thank you so very much. Thank you. <clears throat> so he challenges us. He challenges us. Jesus Christ is the exhorter of compassion. How do we do missions? How do we reach out to people? Are we just fulfilling a duty? Are we just kind of tick? I have done this, I have done this. No, it needs to be done with compassion. And Jesus Christ as the teacher. Of course, we will have no time to go through all this. We're only going to go through the first four points. Um, but it is something to get the whole chapter 10 in context. This is what we can learn of what missions is all about. What is missions? Missions is Jesus Christ being revealed to the world. There is nothing to do with man. There is no system involved. There is no man's ideas involved. And that goes, uh, or that is sometimes a challenge for today. I'm not going to say we don't have an involvement in it. Of course we do. But we have to come back to what missions is. Missions is what we were just singing about, Jesus Christ alone. And we reveal him to people who need to believe. The key verse that I see is verse 22. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and the one to whom the Son will to reveal him. So, here we have that no one can know who the Father is, no one can know who the Son is, unless the Father would reveal it to Jesus, and Jesus has revealed it to us. Besides the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I love the wonderful songs we were singing about uh, that statement of faith, it was a statement of faith, I believe in the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Without them, we cannot know Christ. And we have been called to be ambassadors to bring this message out. So, based on that, how can we go out into the world, in Hong Kong, or wherever, and from our brother, what we have heard in, those, in that uh, report of missions, that was the reason I was called to, the Philipp- uh, to uh, Hong Kong uh, for 27 years, and now the Lord brought a wonderful group of people, the Filipinas, on my path to do ministry. But if we think about it, how are we going to do the missions? It has to be Jesus Christ. So, and what he reveals to us. It's good to have, we need to be prepared. It's good to have the programs and the classes and how can we prepare ourselves to go into missions. In this chapter, what I see is, it is Jesus Christ, through his word, by his spirit, who will prepare us. What is the first thing needed? A willing heart. God will not call someone who is not willing to go, who is not willing to be involved. God will not call. 
God wants us to have a willing heart and a passion for him and for the lost people. So Christ is the organizer of missions and the workers. Who are the workers? Only those who are called. At the moment you become a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a worker. You are a minister. You are a minister on one way or another, which level it may be. At the moment you become a Christian, born again, you are called by God to be involved. Whatever level it is, that is all up to the Lord. He's the one who calls. He appoints the workers and he's going to appoint the place for the workers. You can have some preferences. I like to go to the Bahamas. That's pretty good. I asked the Lord, well, no, I didn't. Actually, when I became a believer, I had other plans. I wanted to stay in Canada to be involved in some wonderful work, uh, just regular secular work. I was a furniture refinisher, and I wanted to be a very good furniture refinisher. I, uh, my brother bought old furniture from America, and then I would do all the finishing. Even after I became a Christian, I wanted to be just the best. Very passionate about furniture. Well, the Lord changes that. He had to uh, kind of wrestle with me, or I wrestled with him. But finally I gave in. But he a point. I never thought about China, or about Hong Kong, or about Asia, about the Philippines. This whole area was another planet from where I came from. You know, it was a whole other planet. So how can God call me there? But he did. So he appoints, first of all, the workers, and he appoints the place. It doesn't mean that all of you will go somewhere that you don't know of. The place is right next door, first of all, from where you live. If it's in Hong Kong, your place is Hong Kong. You go back to the Philippines, it will be in the Philippines. You go wherever else the Lord wants to go, where he wants you to go. But how does he call us? He calls us in partnership. Because in verse 1 it says that he called two by twos. Sometimes we are called maybe first individual, but he always wants us to join others in ministry. Ministry is not one man show. Ministry is not one person. We know Paul was, a very, was much by himself, yet the Lord always connected him with other co-workers. He could not work what he did without his co-workers. And that's the same for us today. That is a design of Jesus Christ calling into missions. People who will be connected with others. So when you feel that or you sense that calling, it doesn't mean you right away go out by yourself. Never think it is a one-man show. It is always connected with others. I wrote a couple of verses there. Why is it needed? Well, in, I want to quickly read in uh, Deuteronomy 19.15. There it says, one witness shall not arise against a man concerning the iniquity of any sin that he commits. That is that the context is about 
sinfulness. But it says here, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. Meaning, when you go out in missions in, with a partner or with a group, that gives authority to the message that you bring. And that is a design the Lord has given to all of us. Yes, we have individual the call, but the call will always bring someone else alongside. Why is that so much needed? Well, another verse in Ecclesiastes, verse 4, we all know that as well. It says in, uh, um, let me see, in verse 9, two are, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For, the, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls. So why would God ordain that? Why do the Lord Jesus Christ want partnership? It is to help each other up. Because when you enter into the call of the Lord, what's going to happen? You enter into a spiritual battle. And there is someone who is not happy that you have obeyed the call of the Lord. And he will do whatever he can do to make you fall. And those who have been in ministry, we all have certain experiences that we need others to help us, to lift us up. That is how God has designed us with each other. Even in a secular way with marriage and with other friends, we cannot be alone. Even more so in his work, we cannot be alone. So, and then he calls us to a specific place. He calls us in partnership, and he calls us to a specific place. The specific place can be whatever, wherever it is, what the Lord lays on your heart. And so that is the first thing. God, the Lord Jesus is the organizer, not us, not me, not the church. Even the pastor could give a hint or could give some suggestions. But still, it is the Lord Jesus Christ who will call. Where you go and in partnership with whom you will work. What does the worker need? The worker has a few things that he needs to be careful for and to be watchful for. Don't look back. It's interesting, in Luke 9, the verse before chapter 10, the last verse, it says, when you put your hands on the plow, do not look back. Our Filipino sisters know what, when I mentioned it, because most of the families maybe are involved in farmers. My, fa- my family-in-law are all farmers. They're going to plow the land for planting rice or whatever else they're going to plant for. What they're going to do? They're going to have their carabaos, you know, the, the, the oxen, and they tie it on the plow, and it's all done by hand, and they go through the fields plowing. Now, what happens if you have your hands on the plow, and you go straight plowing the land, and you start looking back? How can you look back? What happens to your body if you look back? If you're going to look back, your body goes along. You see, that's going to happen. Can you imagine you are plowing straight because you want to plant the rice? The ladies know what I mean. It, there is no John Deere 
as much in the Philippines yet. Those huge machineries that can plant so easily, it's all done still by hand. So what's going to happen? You plowing with your oxen, and you're going to look back. Why would Jesus use that illustration? Because you're going to lose focus. You're planting straight in your field, and you're going to look back. The oxen will go along where you go, with your movement of your arms. So the oxen, when I go this way, left, the oxen will go along. And they will end up plowing the land of your neighbor, who is not happy about it because the rice there is ready to be harvested. So you are destroying that. Because you are looking back. You get the picture what the Lord Jesus is saying. When you are called to go out, don't look back. Don't look back to your worldliness. Oh, it's more easier life. It's more comfortable life without being called. Well, at the moment you enter into God's kingdom, into being a believer, things change. Yes, he has blessed us here in Hong Kong and he will care for us. But he has never called for us to be comfortable, to be at ease all the time. He doesn't call us for that. That's not what missions is, and we all know about it. You read the, the Acts of the Apostles, you can read testimonies today. It's not an easy thing. But the Lord, of course, is with us. So do not look back. Look forward. Keep straight ahead. Keep focused. It's a picture of being focused. Secondly, maybe you are not called to go physically, but you are called to pray. Pray for workers into the harvest. The harvest is plenteous, but there are few workers. So those who are maybe not called to go out physically, you are always called to pray. Always. That's the call of to be a worker of the Lord Jesus Christ. To pray. Without prayer, there is no missions. Without prayer, there are no workers. You need to pray. And then the other one is to go. We just talked about that. But how do we go? In volun, in volun, uh, sorry, how you say that word? Uh, they're being vulnerable. I still struggle with some English word. Maybe I spelled it wrong. Vulnerable. I sent you out as lambs among the wolves. He didn't turn it around, you know that? Jesus didn't say, I sent you out as wolves among lambs. I don't send you out as strong oxen or strong bulls among other animals. I sent you out as lambs among wolves. Well, that is mean. How can God do that? Does he want me to be totally eaten up? Why would God do that. Why would the Lord Jesus Christ do that? Of course we know chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians. It is through the weakness, through the weak ones, through the humble ones, that the Lord Jesus be glorified. If I am strong, if I think I'm strong enough to go into missions, I'm qualified enough, I'm ready to go in missions. Who gets the glory when there is results? Not the Lord. It's me. 
Because I am, I'm the one who will be prepared. I know what I do. I'm strong. The Lord cannot use strong people. Not the mighty, not the noble. Few of them will be saved. That's what he says in 1 Corinthians 1. It's through the weak ones, through the humble ones, through the poor ones, through the ones who are struggling, that he will be glorified among wolves, among those who are not always nice and kind to believers, to Christians. And we know the reports of that. He gives instructions to the ones who go in verse 4 till 11. Of course, those instructions were for a particular group of people. Jesus sent out 70 or 72, depends which version you use. And he told them, don't bring anything with you. No extra bag, no extra clothes, no extra shoes, no food. Just go by yourself. And whoever takes you in, you can stay there if they receive you at peace. That's a little bit difficult today. If I would do that today, <laughs> or if anybody would do that today, we cannot go anywhere. Why? You need to buy a plane ticket, or a train ticket, or wherever else. So that was, of course, instructions for a particular group of people at that particular time. How is it? What does it mean for us today? Trust him. Trust him. The picture, the underlying message of that is we need to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ when he goes on, when he calls us to go in missions. It's good to provide for yourself. I had to work first before I came here. The first time I came here was 1991 in Hong Kong to, to do mission work. I had to work for myself to save up money. That is a good thing. Because when you go into missions, when God calls you, there is a sacrifice on part of the one who is called. Missions is not a red carpet that God do everything for you. There is a sacrifice involved, whatever kind of sacrifice. But there is something that we need to give up or we need to work for or we need to maybe struggle with. But that is the call, part of the call as well. So we need to, the focus is on trusting him. How do we go out? Even here in Hong Kong, how do we do missions? We need to trust him. Be faithful to the message. It says in nine and verse 9 and 11, the kingdom of God is near to you, is come to you. It says two times. What is the message we bring? Is it a message of compromise? What do you open the newspaper today and look at the advertisements of churches? Some, some of them. Come to the service. Believe Jesus. All your problems go away. <laughs> is that the message that Jesus gave? He did give that message. When we trust in him and believe in him, our spiritual problems have gone away. The sin problems have gone away. We have a right relationship with Christ. Our sin will never be judged anymore. We stand righteous before him. That's the problem that will be go away. But we still live in this world. We still have problems. 
difficulties. So what is the message we bring? Be faithful to the message. How can I be faithful to the message that I bring? First of all, know the message. Know the message that you bring. How can I know the message? Bible school, Bible class in the service, at home, Bible reading, Bible study, prayer. All these things is needed to be prepared. You need to read the Bible. If you are not prepared by knowing what the scripture says, the message that you want to share with someone else, the Lord cannot use you. He knows that. We need to prepare ourselves by knowing the message, by knowing the word of God. And how more we know it, then we are more prepared by the Lord and for the Lord to be used. So what is that message? It is God's purpose for man's salvation in Christ. We need to speak that message without compromise. Today there is prosperity gospel, there is all the kinds of stuff in the churches that takes people away from the true message of the Lord Jesus Christ, who he is, what he has done for us, and who we are. Who are we? Well, I'm a special person. I'm, doesn't God love me? Of course. You know what the problem is today with the message? We say God is love. True. Today's message, it has turned around. Love is God with a small g. Love has become an idol. God is love. Doesn't matter. He loves you. Just do whatever you like. Live however you like. Behave however you like. God loves you. That's the wrong message. Yes, God is love. But what is love? What is the message? We need to know that from Scripture. What happens if I bring that wrong message to other people who need to believe? God is a judge. That is in verse 12 to 16. He's a judge. He's going to judge those people, in this case the cities, there's a list of cities, and he made comparison with cities from the Old Testament. The time when Jesus was in Bethsaida, in Capernaum, some other cities, he said, if the message was preached in Sodom and Gomorrah, what, thousand years earlier, they would have repented. When light is rejected, judgment falls, judgment comes. What has this to do with us? What is the message we give to the unbeliever? If it is a message of compromise, and they don't understand the gospel, and they don't know how to accept the Lord Jesus because I give a false message and judgment would fall on that person, who will God blame or judge, as to say that word? The person who brought that message. Why is it so important we are be prepared to go out in missions, to know the word of God, so that we can accurately, in the right way, properly give the right message so that the person we are talking to 
will understand the right message and accept the right message and can truly be born again. If I give a wrong message and that person thinks he is right with God, but he is not, because I gave a wrong message, and today you turn on the television enough, you find, if it's in the Philippines, if it's in America, in Canada, in Holland, in my bird country where I come from, a lot of false preachers on the TV, a lot of false of them, false teachers. Well, if I follow those guys, and I think I am saved, born again, yet I am not because I, they have told me a false teaching, a false message. I still will be judged by God, of course. But who will be judged even more so? The one who gave the message. So get to know the message before you go out. Be faithful to that message. Because it will affect us. It's a wonderful thing. In, uh, in that verse 16, because it says, He who listens to you will also listen to me. Who, the message, when you share the word of God and they accept the message, they will accept Jesus Christ. He said, they will accept me. If they accept you, they will accept me and the message. But if they reject you, they will reject me, and then Jesus adds add another phrase to it. And they will reject the one who sent me. So here is the believer, Jesus Christ, and the Father in complete, perfect union. We are in perfect fellowship and union with Jesus Christ the Son and God the Father. And whatever we say affects both of them. And that is why Jesus says, he who accepts your message accepts me. He who rejects the message rejects me and will reject the one who sent me. And that is the Father. So, again, as a missionary or as one called a worker, whatever word you like to use, because we are all missionaries, what that matters. Be reminded that you need to be called by the Lord Jesus. And I can tell you one message now. You are called. All of you. No, I didn't go to Bible school. Doesn't matter. Was Peter that Jesus said first go to Bible school? He was a fisherman. All of them. Well, Luke was, went with Paul and he was a doctor. He went to school. <laughs> Maybe not the Bible school. He was an intellectual man. We all are missionaries. If you use that word, it's mission, kind of the message. So don't say, well, this is not for me. Because, why? You are in union with Jesus Christ and with the Father. We are in union with them. And we are now representatives or ambassadors for both of them. And it is God the Holy Spirit in us who will lead us and guide us further on. So when we, that, if we think about these things, that should bring fear in the right way. The fear of the Lord. 
It's not an, an easy, light-hearted thing to do that. To bring the word of God out. God keeps us responsible for the message, what we bring, for obedience to the call. And of course, in our behavior, all what is continuum, all, all what is connected to that. Now, and the last part. Christ is the center. Christ is the center of the mission. Christ is the center of the calling. So what happens if you go out? And I think all of you who have, those of you here who have been out into mission work, one way or another, if it's here in Hong Kong or what we just have heard from our brother or in another place or in the Philippines, when you do the Lord's work, there is joy. It brings joy. Because when those 70 men came back, the 70 disciples came back, they were rejoicing. Say, Lord, we did this and we, do, and we did that in your name. So there was joy. There was protection. Of course, Jesus says, I saw Satan fall from heaven and I give you authority to step on scorpions and snakes. Please don't take that literally now. Don't go out and look for a scorpion to step on it. You could be bitten, okay? Or the snakes. It's not literally, but what it just simply means. It says, after that Jesus says, and it will not hurt you. When we go in obedience, out into the mission field, wherever the Lord calls us, there will be problems. There will be difficulties. There will be opposition. Doesn't mean that you will never be persecuted. You will. But, he says, so long God has so decided for you not to get hurt, you will not get hurt. Unless the Lord decides for you to get hurt, you will get hurt. People are put in prison. People are dying. Today, there are in this century, since the 1900s, more missionaries have died than all the centuries before that, until the day of the Lord Jesus, when Jesus came, in statistics. Persecution is increasing. Many Christians, especially in the Middle East, have been killed. I don't like to say have been killed. I would like to say they fell asleep. Because the Lord took them home and they fell asleep. But of course we know what it means. So, does that mean that Jesus didn't, was not true to his word? Nothing will hurt you? Of course not. It is up to the Lord Jesus for protection. But he will protect us. I've been in mission for 27 years. I've been to places. People said, have you gone there? Are you out of your mind? As a foreigner, as a white man, did you go there? You're crazy. The Lord has protected me. You don't tempt that. Don't tempt that. But if you have to go, you go. But there is a yet. There is a warning. Why would Jesus say, do not rejoice? First, all those disciples, they come, very excited, telling Jesus what all what happened. And now Jesus said, ha, stop, don't, don't joy, don't rejoice. Well, that's not fun of Jesus. Why is he doing that? Is he trying taking the joy out of min serving him, ministering for him? No, of course not. What is he saying? 
Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Why? Because if I'm going to only focus on the ministry, what I'm going to do for him, what's going to happen? What has already happened today in many ministries, with many ministers? Proud. Pride comes in. Look what I have established. Look at my church. Oh, my church is much bigger, bigger than this church. You have only a few here. Look at my church. I have 10,000 people. See, you start getting boasting. Because you're focusing on the ministry, the things that you do. While you don't do it in the first place, it is Christ through you. Under the power of the Holy Spirit who's doing that. So be careful. He said, rejoice. In him. Rejoice that you belong to him. Rejoice that he has revealed to you what the Father has revealed to Jesus. Rejoice in Christ that he has chosen to use you. What do I deserve? What do you deserve? Everything but what we have received from Christ. We reserved hell. We reserved punishment. That's what we deserve. Yet, all what the Father has revealed to Jesus, he, Jesus has revealed it to us. He says, thank you, O Father, that you have not revealed this to what? Prudent, wise man, noble man, strong man, mighty man. He says to babies, to little children who have no clue. Look at those 12 apostles. They were fighting with each other. They were jealous of each other. They were always complaining. They were little babies. And Jesus was rejoicing that the Father revealed that to him and Jesus revealed it to us. The truth about Christ, who he is, and the Father and what he wants us to do with us. That should cause our rejoicing. Focus on eternity. It's not based on qualifications of man. It's not based on qualifications of how good I am or what I have accomplished. God can use your qualifications, yes. God can use your abilities, yes. But that is no guarantee he will. He wants to use the one who is willingly to be used. He has revealed to us salvation. Whatever we have is from him. Our salvation, our growth, our ministry, and the results of ministry. That is all from him. And that's why we came back to verse 22. And with this, I close. Because time is up. So, what do we take with us? What are we going to do with this? No, nice message, uh, Brother Bas. Uh, but I, can you please stop? I have to go home. I have to do other things now. There is a place. You live here. You have other responsibilities. Of course. But what is the Christian life? This is just a reminder. There's nothing new here, what I shared. You should know all this already. Just a reminder. What is the Christian life? The Christian life is Christ. The hope of glory in us, in me. 
Colossians 1, 27. Christ, the hope of glory in me, in you, all of you, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what Christian life is. And the Lord will never waste any opportunity to display or use us to bring more glory to himself. He will never waste any opportunity, any person, to bring more glory to himself. So let's continue on to seek the Lord in what he wants to do in this church. And I was very happy to hear that in Hong Kong and other places from what our brother shared. Whatever the Lord lays on your heart, seek that because the Lord wants to use you. May the Lord bless you. Amen.